You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. I want, I'm going to preach a particular thread through these three readings. But I want you to know that the readings I'm going to read, this is the beginning of the sermon. You don't, the sermon doesn't start in explanation. The sermon begins with the reading of God's word. And these words that I'm going to read are just like lyrics from songs. Some of them actually are, but it is food for whatever you're going through. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as your word is open and the Old Testament, New Testament, and the gospel read in this well-cultivated atmosphere, I pray that you would speak to each individual heart as the scriptures are read and speak to your church as one person as your sermon is preached. But right now, as the reading goes forth, I pray that every person would have an encounter with something that is read. May this reading be better than bread, for man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, your cat, dogs, pet, goldfish, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blesses the seventh day, the Sabbath, and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or his car, or his lawn, or his deck, or anything else you see as you jealously peer out at your neighbor's house, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and stood far off. Romans 7, starting in verse 12. Just so everybody knows, the Apostle Paul is having a breakdown in this chapter. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. 
Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me that was through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. Can I get a witness from somebody? For I do not know, for I do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Can I get a witness from somebody? For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do is what I don't want to do, but I keep on doing it. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then finally, a reading from the Gospel of John. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. Just real fast, you know Jesus is Pentecostal when he actually made the thing he was going to spank people with? Like my mom and dad never whittled out a spoon from a block of wood and then beat me with it. Like Jesus sat there and was like, I am going to make my own weapon and you're going to watch me do it and then I'm going to hit you with it. And making a whip of cords, like a smile on his face, like we're in trouble. Sorry, this is where my brain goes. I ruined the moment. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. All of this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. We're supposed to do announcements, but Stephanie said to preach, and so I guess it's time to preach. So you will all patiently watch the announcements at the end of the service. You're not absolved of them. But when the Spirit says to move, we move. Amen? It's Passover time, and Jesus goes to Jerusalem during Passover time. And what is Passover time? Passover time is the time that the Jewish people celebrate their freedom. And yet, people journeying to Jerusalem are enslaved by the very Jewish people that are supposed to be celebrating their freedom because if poor people came, they wouldn't have had the money to purchase the sacrifices that they needed to have in order to freely offer them to God. Stephanie said it herself. He gave us breath so that we can give breath back to him. He gave the Israelites cattle in Exodus so that the Israelites can offer the sacrifices unto God. Uh, Paul says in Romans 12, he gave us life, so offer yourself as a living 
He freely gives things to us so that we can freely offer them back. And here are his own people selling what should have been freely offered at the time that they should have been celebrating their free deliverance from Egypt. Jesus sits down under conditions that are so ironic. No human being would have ever been able. I've said this before. I think we all agree. You ever have the moment where somebody who bothers you so much and you can never find them out, like you can never point out something they do wrong, and then they accidentally like royally mess up in front of you and everybody, and it's right there, and all you have to do is just say one thing and maybe in front of a group of people, and you will have them where you've always wanted them. Jesus just, he's there. You're celebrating the Passover where I freely delivered you. And now here you are selling sheep and oxen. It's like when Joseph enslaved his own people by making them sell their bodies in order to give them grain. Jesus doesn't tell us to sell our body to give us bread. He becomes bread and offers himself freely so that we could freely offer ourselves. It's always interesting when the people of God enslave each other under things like grain or pigeons or, in our case, a lack of forgiveness. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not anybody else. What happens in these three texts is one word I want you to leave with today. It's the word encounter. I want you to not forget the word encounter. There has to be an encounter with the living God. We are people who are created to have an encounter with the living God. We were made to not be originative in ourself. We were made to be image. We were made to reflect. We were made to move when something else moves first. We were made to be an image. We weren't made to be originative on our own. God is what's called the unmoved mover, the original originator, right? God is the one who is, and when he moves, we follow him, and we do what he does as his icons or his images in the earth. We needed a, an enemy to deceive us. We needed a God to love us because we wouldn't sin, nor would we glorify and worship if something doesn't do something else first. Satan needed to do something to get us to do something. God needed to do something to get us to do something because we were made to reflect and move when something else moves. We were made to be a people of encounter. We were made to be a people where encounter moves us to do things. We were not made to be people who can conjure up joy apart from encounter. We were not made to be people who could conjure up peace apart from encounter. We were not made to be people who have to lock themselves in their room. Do you know, do you realize today is the 52nd Sunday since we closed for the first time? Next week is one year since we closed our church we were not made to be removed from encounter. Things happen bad when we lack encounter. Encounter with each other, encounter with the living God. And one of the things that happens when we lose encounter is we relax our spiritual life and then slowly start to make 
transactions with it. It's not your fault. It's sin in you that is growing in the darkness of a lack of encounter. And we slowly start to transact our spiritual life. What are they doing in the temple? Jesus walks in and there's transaction happening. You can offer to God if you do this first. Transaction. Jesus walks in to a trade show in the temple when it's meant to be a relationship. And he sits there for a minute and watches. What is happening? Watch what's going to happen. Israel is now in transaction mode. And watch what they do. Caiaphas, the high priest, in a few weeks, Jesus will be causing a stir. And whenever people in power are all of a sudden have their power checked by people they want to have power over, all of a sudden the elimination game starts. Caiaphas says... In the spirit, it is good that one man die on behalf of the nation. They wrote a whole song about this in Jesus Christ Superstar. He's dangerous. Thank you, Darnie. Caiaphas said something in the spirit where Caiaphas says, listen to me carefully, everybody. His content was right but his heart was deeply wrong. Please never think because you said the right thing, you were right when you said it. Praise the Lord. Caiaphas was making a transaction. If I, get, if I give Jesus, I can get peace. If I give Jesus, we can finally go back to our powerful seats and be comfortable again. So let's cloak it in spiritual language. Let's not say we got to eliminate him. Let's say that it is expedient for one man to die on behalf of the nation. And John whimsically tells us that he said this not of his own accord, but in the spirit. Not to say that Caiaphas was in the spirit, but to say that God works all things together for good, even through people who garbage comes out of their mouth. And if you're like me, that is so reassuring, no? <laughs> He makes a transaction. Then the people of Israel make a transaction. Give us Barabbas, and we'll give you Jesus. See that transaction? Do you know what Barabbas' name means? It's Bar Abba, son of the father. Barabbas, Bar Abba. They exchanged the son of the father for a counterfeit. Let his blood be on us and on our children. We want to make this exchange. Judas, whose name means praise. Judah, Judas. His name means praise. He transacts Jesus for money. And if you think we haven't done this, just go back to the prosperity movement of the 80s and 90s. Praise was praising so our houses could get built, so our cars could get driven, so promotions could be had. Judas is always having the option or the capacity, I should say this, your praise always has in it the possibility to betray Jesus for his benefits and not see Jesus as the blessing that's better than the benefits to the point where when I get the benefits, I offer them freely to people who don't have them because Jesus is enough. 
even praise can transact. And time would fail me to go through all of the examples. Salem, ask yourself this question right now. If church opened fully tomorrow and all the ministries were back up and running as if COVID never happened, would you be able to jump right back in, serve where you served, offer the time you offered? If you're being honest with yourself, would you say right now, you know what, things are a little different for me now than they were before COVID? I don't know if I'd be able to offer the same time. And we would cite things like, well, we weren't homeschooling before, and we weren't doing this before, and we weren't doing that before. As if his grace isn't sufficient for us? It was only by grace why we did what we did before COVID. And it will only be by grace that we do what we do when COVID is finally over. Woo! Woo! Steph, you almost had to come back up here and fix that. Let's get another song on it. Man. The br- like you can smell burnt rubber from the brakes screeching right now. Can't wait till COVID's over. Fair? Oh, boy. I was going to say flipping, so everybody calm down. Don't judge me. Transactions. What, are we, what would we transact? What are we transacting right now? It's not good. Like, if you go out into the foyer and then turn around and face the sanctuary, on the sides, on the wall, you will see signs that I'm pretty sure are so old they're holding up the building. And they say, no cell phones, because they called them cell phones. <laughs> right? And there was a point where it was like, when you come into this space, no distractions. And now we need the very things we were told to shut off in order to have church. Now, that's good, but it is also bad. It helped us, but it's also hurting us. What are we transacting in our life? What are we trans- what transactions are we making? Because I want everybody to see this. The first story we read was the giving of the Ten Commandments. And when we read the Ten Commandments, I don't care who you are, when you read the Ten Commandments right now, what your brain tells you is this. Am I doing this or am I not? Because we are so conditioned now to read the Ten Commandments a particular way. For instance, if I asked you this question, is the nose of a fish wet, what would your answer be? It's in the water. You can do this. But if you asked the fish if its nose was wet, would it even know what you're talking about? Wouldn't even know. What what do you mean by wet? It doesn't have a paradigm for something that's not. Right? And so when we read the Bible, we, we read the Bible stuck in our culture. We can't read it apart from that. But when the people in the story heard the Ten Commandments, they were not saying, we can do this, or say that again, or what do you think about this, or am I doing that? That's not what happened. First, first, they had an encounter Before the commands were given, God said, I am the Lord who delivered you from Egypt. That's the first thing that was said. Ian, you can start to put this up there. That's the first thing that was said. I am the Lord 
who delivered you. So before there was rules and code, there, God made sure before you look at this like a code, like a rule, I want you to see it as the outflow of an encounter. I delivered you. So now the next three commandments show up. I delivered you. So you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a graven image. You shall not take my name in vain. He did not say, follow the rules so that you'll be delivered. He said, because you're delivered. Man, we, amen. Man, we've switched that. Because you're delivered, I'm giving you a new way of life. I'm revealing my heart to you. Because you're delivered, not so that you can get delivered, but because I delivered you, whether you liked it or not, now there's a new way of life made available to you. So the first three commandments are responses to the God encounter of deliverance. I delivered you. No other God delivered you. In the name of no other God, you were just in a world that had statues and carved images for everything. None of them were able to deliver you. That is an indictment against Egypt. I delivered you, so therefore you shall have no other gods before me because of the polytheistic Egyptian culture. You shall not make a graven image. They were in slavery for four hundred years. That's all they knew. They didn't know that their nose was wet because they'd never been out of the water before. So when he says, you shall have no other gods, they're like, there's 40,000 kabillion gods. What do you mean one? How many of them delivered you? Now you see what the ten plagues mean for them? All the ten plagues were ten gods of Egypt. God was like, here's what I think about your gods. They're enslaving you. I'm going to use them to free you. Because I'm God of gods. King of, Lord of. So the first encounter, the response to the encounter, not the means to it. The response of being delivered is no one, no thing, no idea, no knowledge has done for me what God has done. Therefore, therefore, my life is going to flow in this direction of not having any other gods. You see that? God is saying, because of this encounter of deliverance, these three commands will be the way of your heart. And then watch this. The fourth commandment is another encounter. So there's encounter one, I am the God who delivered you, and out of that encounter comes ways of life that are birthed from having that encounter. Then the fourth commandment is another encounter. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We're doing it right now. This encounter, the first one is each individual encountering God and getting freed from Egypt. This one is us together on a particular day encountering God. And what flows from this, the rest of the commandments that have to do with not harming each other, honoring your father and mother, not stealing, not coveting, not doing any of those things. So the first commandment is God delivering you. And what flows out of it? Ways that we live toward God. Do you see that? Then we encounter God together. And what flows out of encountering him together? All of the bad things we don't do to each other because this encounter made us new again. I don't want to cheat you. I don't want to covet you. I don't want to steal and lie and do all these things. I want to bless you because I've encountered God with you. 
and it makes me just want to love you and offer myself to you. Do you see all of these commandments? The first one is God encounter, and it leads to a way of life toward God. The second one is a human encounter with God. The Sabbath day, what we're doing right now. And what does that lead to? It leads to better life with each other. So all of goodness comes from encounter. Now look at what Paul said in Romans 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And I don't understand my own actions because when I want to do something that's good, I don't do it. And when I don't want to do something that's bad, I keep on doing it. I can't believe this happens. Every single time I tell myself, don't do that again, I end up doing that again. And every time I tell myself, we're going to start doing this again. We're going to have a new resolution. Today is a clean slate. Sunday is a good day. I'm going to begin again. All of a sudden, I three days later fall back into it. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? An encounter. Thanks be to God, who through Jesus, what? Exodus me, delivered me. That's what he says. He uses the word Exodus. Thanks be to God, who in Christ delivered me. That's how I can do this. Not by trying hard. Because when you don't try hard, you fail, but you have energy. When you try hard, you fail, and now you're tired. That was a joke, kind of. It doesn't matter how hard you try. What you need is an encounter. You need to be encountering the living God. That is where we get our food. That is where we get our energy. That is how we keep going. That's how we get up when we make a mistake. That's how we get through trying times. That's how we get more virtuous. That's how we become better lovers. That's how we treat our spouse better. That's how we have a better relationship with our kids. Listen, mom and dad, your kids don't need more rules. They need a way of life that is birthed from loving encounter, and then the rules will become an all way of of life as the encounter begins to happen. They need to encounter you. Here's the thing. They want to encounter you. Even the older ones who maybe have left and are no longer happy with you, the prodigal son, even in the pig pen, still wants to encounter the father. And the older brother, even in his bitterness, doesn't tell the father to go back inside when the father comes out. Because kids need parents even if they don't think they do. Sophia, I call her Ezekiel now because she says a lot of prophetic things. Today, I was leaving, and she turned into the devil and got all bundled up in blankets and said, Dad, please don't leave. I want you to stay home with me and Mommy today. I said, Sophia, if I put my pajamas on and got back in bed, who would preach? She's like, Jesus. I said, and what would, and what would Jesus say? And she goes, I don't know, Jesus things? <laughs> it was like she beat me in the argument. I was like, all right, I have to leave now. But now I feel like a schmuck, so thank you. We have a rule in our house. You do not go in to dad's office. I have expensive books in my office. I have religious art in my office. Some of them have red pen marks on them now. So there's a new rule. Do not go in to my office unless I am in there and I say you can come in and sit down in the middle of the floor with your hands folded. 
So I'm downstairs with Jacqueline over the weekend, and I hear Sophia get up from nap. And what I do now is I close the office door so I can hear when it opens, and I heard it open. She yells from upstairs, that was my door, I closed it. No, it wasn't. I'm not lying about what happens next. So I slowly go up the stairs, and I see her walk out of my office, and she, has, she now has on a pink bathrobe. She didn't have this on when we put her down for a nap. And I said, I'm standing in the hallway, and I said, Sophia, were you just coming out of my office? And the girl, without hesitation, she's four. She's this many, just so everybody knows. And if you're watching, I'm not happy, but you're adorable. She comes out and goes, hmm, I had my eyes closed, and I must have walked into here thinking it was my room. She looks like Jacqueline, but she takes after me, which is terrifying. In that moment, there's a rule that says, don't go into dad's office, but I'm also in the middle of having an encounter. What is the point of rules if not to allow for human flourishing in relationships? The point of rules, listen to me, is not so your house stays clean. It's not so red scribbles don't end up in your books. It's not even so people don't get hurt. Rules are there so that human relationships can flourish. That's why there are rules. That is the only reason for rules is so that there can be human flourishing. In the moment when she comes out and makes that joke, do I know she knows she shouldn't be in there? Yes. Does she know she did something wrong? Yes. But we're having a moment between us that is so hilarious. It is human flourishing, and I'm not going to look at the rule now. I'm going to enjoy this adorable moment because one day she won't be coming out of her room in my house. She'll be leaving the front door running away from my house, and I will yearn for this moment to come back again. Can any parents affirm that, please? <laughs> Thank you. Encounter, encounter is where people even get the energy and the will to follow rules. Encounter. You yell at somebody, you treat somebody like garbage and then tell them to follow something. At best, they'll do it with stomping feet and grumpy faces. Love somebody hard. And they're going to slowly start. Sophia recently was like, hey, can I come in your office and sit down? This is afterwards. And I said, why do you want to be in here so much? She's like, this is, again, this is what she said. Because it's comfortable and peaceful in here. Yeah, come on in. You could call her on anything. <laughs> accept that, accept that, accept that. Encounter. Encounter. You're having a rough time in your marriage. I guarantee you your encounters with each other are becoming more functional than they are romantic. Change it up. Go out. Do something. Go for a walk. Put masks on. Walk around your house. Walk around the block and just tell each other three things you still love about each other. It will start to change the temperature immediately. Won't fix everything. Don't sue me. Didn't get better. It will start because loving encounter is the beginning of all healing. I think. I'm just kidding. The Eucharist. So watch this. Moses 
ascends up the mountain. And all the people are like, okay, there's lightning and thunder up there. Here's what we're going to do, Moses. You talk to him because we don't want to deal with all of that and then just come back and tell us what to do. Okay. Moses is like, that's, that's going to last three minutes. So Moses goes up the mountain. Does Moses come back right away? Does he? No. Please fake me out and make me think you read the Bible, okay? That's all I'm asking for. I don't even want to know that you do. I just want you to make me think you do so I'm not stressed, okay? Moses stays up on the mountain for 40 days. While he's up on the mountain, what did we say before? We are people who are made to have an encounter. Were they having an encounter while Moses was up there? No. Did they have an encounter when they saw the fire and the smoke descend on the mountain? Yes. Did they have an encounter when they heard the voice of God belt out these commands? Yes. Did they have an encounter when Moses was like, don't touch the mountain because somehow arrows are going to shoot out of it and hit you in the face? Yes. But then they stopped having an encounter. Moses, was, Moses came down the mountain, spent time with them, went back up the mountain, and promised to come back again. Do you see where I'm going with this? Moses left them. He, Moses came and gave them a command. Then he left them and he said, wait for me because I'm coming back. But in the in between of him leaving and coming back, they weren't having an encounter. So what did they do? They made an encounter for themselves. It's called the golden calf. What does the Bible say they did? Listen to me, Salem. I was literally just about to have you guys come up here. <laughs> I'm not even lying. Like, I really was. You guys are so in the spirit. That means God wants me to keep preaching again. So I'm to keep preaching again until John comes back. This is interesting, actually. John has left and promised to return. You guys are going to encounter me until he comes back. So the Israelites are sitting there, and what are the three things that they do? They gather they eat, and they play. This is what it says. They gathered, they sat down to eat, and rose up to play. What happens? They gathered, they sit down to eat, and then when they stand up, there's no encounter. So what do they do? They make an encounter happen. Now, what happens with us? Jesus, the true and better Moses, comes down, and he gives us a command. It's not written on stone. It's written in the marks on his body. Love your neighbor like this. Love God like this. Do you see that? He doesn't show them tablets of stone. He shows them his hands and says, here's your Ten Commandments. This is what the Ten Commandments look like when lived perfectly. They look like me up there loving you at an expense to myself. That's why Paul would say later, when I preach, I have determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he said, love your neighbor and so fulfill the law of 
That was a little bit of a harder one, but whenever the answer is Christ, you can just belt it on out because it's a really good thing to say out loud. Love one another and so fulfill the love. He gives us that commandment. And then what happens? He leaves, just like Moses. And we're waiting for him to return. So what do we do? We gather and we eat. Do you see this? Moses went up. He didn't come right back. The people gathered. The people ate. And what did they do? They fashioned an idol. Jesus came and left, told us he's coming back. And what do we do? We gather and we eat. But Jesus has left us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the encounter in between the two great encounters. This is everything. The Holy Spirit is the encounter in between the two great encounters. The two great encounters are Christ coming in the flesh as an infant and Christ coming back as the lamb that appears to have been slain. In between those two things, Jesus has gone up onto the mountain, but this time he said, when I go, I will send you a helper. Jesus, why do we need help? Don't ever ask him that question. Don't. It's in the Bible. You need help because here's what you'll do. You'll take the blessings that I've given you and you'll turn them into idols. Even our children, even our spouse will become idols. David's wife, Michael, actually replaced his body with an idol in bed because she so couldn't let go of him. Mm. God. And David so idolized the way that people viewed him that he made her upset by dancing in ways inappropriate. Because when we lack encounter, we start to encounter ourselves in ways that pull us from the life of God. And we start to deify everything around us and make that the way that we get to God. So what does Jesus do? He says, I'm leaving and I will return, but in the meantime, I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. So how do we encounter him now? Primarily, we, we encounter him in the Spirit, we encounter him in the Word, and we encounter him in the corporate gathering. And then from those encounters, we encounter him in our daily lives in many, many different ways. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Salem, worship team can now come on up here. Before we come to the table, I want Steph to sing one more time. And then we're going to come to the table. If you're watching from home, the one thing I can't stand about online is it tells you what the average watch time was. Ugh. Why would you even turn it on for six minutes? Like, why? We need an encounter. All the jokes that have been made from behind pulpits for years, are you bored? Are you getting hungry? Do you want to leave? Do you want me to stop preaching? Here's the reality. Your life, everything good in your life flows from encountering the Holy Spirit. We have no chance of good if we don't encounter the Holy Spirit, and we have no chance of bad if we do. Well, pastor, you're, tons of bad things happen. But when you encounter the Spirit, it somehow weaves his goodness into all the badness and makes even all things work together for good. 
Salem, we need. If somebody said to me right now, what is your number one concern for the church? I don't have many with you, but one of them, of the few that I have, is that we have to practice encounter. We can't be people who try hard. We have to be people who encounter the living God in this room, from home by sanctifying the hours if we can't be here, by lingering for a moment in the presence of God, by coming to the table. What it, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute when I come to the table. Stephanie says too many good things. It just makes me want to say 100,000 things. I want, as the worship team sings this doxology, our Lenten doxology, I want you to close your eyes and while the worship team sings, I want you, and this is what I'm going to do too. I'm not, I'm not mad at the church. We're all in this together. Let's repent as we hear these words of being people who may, who may have lost the temperature of encounter. And let's get back to being people who above everything else know that we need to encounter the living God as a church family and then as the body dispersed all throughout the world when we leave here. Let's refocus ourselves. And if you feel like you're good right now, and I hope some of you are, if you ever feel like you're good, if the pastor is ever preaching something, an exhortation, and you feel like you're good, then your job is to offer that goodness by way of intercession. If you feel like you're encountering him, if that's not your issue right now, pray that to whom much is given, much would be required. Pray that God would give you the grace to intercede for people who are struggling to encounter him. Because every one of us, including our kids, need to encounter the presence of God. So would you intercede and pray and praise as Stephanie sings one more time. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.